to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Mills, quick pass. Nico at the five. Nico in the end zone. The dagger. And Grenard with the sack back at the 25-yard line. Touchdown, Houston. Rock and roll. Tremont Smith, coast to coast. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. It is. Hello, Texans. One week from tonight, the draft. Miller Outdoor Theater will be out there. Of course, Nick Casario and company doing their work at NRG Stadium. And we'll have it all covered for you. Get the picks on when they are selected. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you tonight. Joined by... I guess it's now Houston Chronicle correspondent, John McClain, General. I saw that uh, – I thought you retired. You're still running for the Chronicle. Is this even fair? What's going on? They haven't had time to hire anybody to take my place, and I told our executive sports editor, Reed LeMans, Reed knew for a while I was going to retire, and I said I'd be happy to help with the draft. Just tell me what I can do. So I'm doing uh, charts for the position series, and then I'm going to do – draft grades for 40 something years i don't have any idea when i did my first grade so uh it's exciting to do it and i'm doing all my talk shows everybody wants to know about the texans and what they do and i i paid attention to everything nick casario said today and some things he said were quite interesting general are you going to be in las vegas or are you going to be here in houston no i'm going to be here in houston i'll be over at nrg stadium at the draft and uh uh, if you want to pay for me to go to Vegas, John, I'd be happy to go. <laughs> no, not my wife. I'll book. Send I'll you book there. the flight and the room and the hotel and my transportation. It'll probably only cost you about ten grand. Yeah, and when you go to Las Vegas, General, uh, what's what's your game of choice? You blackjack, you back rat, you slots. What's your game of choice? My wife Carol loves to gamble, and so she plays the slots. She'll play a little blackjack. I don't because. I know I'm going to lose, but one, we used to go every year on the weekend of the Final Fours. And one time she is early 2000s said, hey, I just spent some money on Baylor women to win the national championship. I said, give me a break. They're not going to win. And she won money, wouldn't give me a penny. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I just booked I just booked you a room at the Mo Green Inn and oh, sure it's a great place to stay. Oh so Mo's got that bullet in the eye on the sign out in front, right? Actually the character based on Bugsy Siegel, right? Who is a real life guy who uh developed what, the Flamingo Hotel out there. The rest is met, history. Met with a gruesome end. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, that's great mobster talk, but we're not going to do that today. We're going to do this. Nick Casario did meet with the media today. Johnny and I caught up with him as well, and he said a number of interesting things, General. One other note here before I get into that. I saw Lovey Smith today. The guy's got a spring in his step. He's got energy that we all wish we had. I am really excited to see his work as a head coach. I know he's been in the building and, and did his work, did good work as a coordinator, no doubt about that. But uh, there's just something about the building with Lovey and Nick working together and the energy around it and the players being back in and coaches love coaching. Johnny, you know that. So yeah. you just feel the buzz in the building, and I want to convey some of that uh, to the listeners right now. But, General, Nick Casario said a number of interesting things. I want to get your take. Uh, he did say they – 
and I'm paraphrasing here, 80 to 100 draftable players for the Houston Texans. He also said, yeah, three, we're probably picking at three, but 13, hey, you never know. I'm wording it that way. He didn't, but that was the meaning. What was your take? Well, first of all, Lovey couldn't add anything on you guys last night, the Houston Sports Awards. You guys uh, looked very nice, of course, and you looked right. pretty happy, and you were moving around pretty quick. A great event, <laughs> of course. And uh, and so I thought that uh, – and, of course, Lovey's going to be excited. If he didn't have first and second round picks, five of the top 80, and he had to wait until the third round, I'm guessing he wouldn't be as excited. And that's why fans here are so pumped and media because, you know, you get to do just do something on Thursday and having those two picks in the first round. I thought the newsy thing was Nick saying he didn't think somebody's going to trade up for three and they're not unless they think there's a quarterback worth it. And there's not a quarterback worth it. But if somebody made him an offer, I'm sure he'd do it. Like say Carolina at six. And one of the things that's interesting when you have, 11 picks this year, 11 picks next year, nine afterward. That gives you some ammunition for moving up. Say at 13, there's a player that he could get at 10 that they really want. So they took a pass rusher with the first pick, and there's an offensive tackle like Charles Cross he likes. Well, trade a couple of those picks and move up and get the player you want. I think that's a very real possibility. General, we, I was talking about this, and I can't remember who it was. There's been so many different things uh, that I've been on. I've been talking about what positions, and I say positions because there are different players that we can foresee at number three or at number 13. But in the first round, what positions would you think the Texans wouldn't address or may not want to address given how those positions are looking as it pertains to prospects? For example, quarterbacks. I don't know, like you said, I don't think a quarterback I don't think a quarterback's going in the top twenty or top uh top nineteen. What positions do you not think the Texans would look at in the first round? If that's the case, then maybe a team will want to trade up to thirteen to get a quarterback they want, like say it was Pittsburgh and they yeah. wanted Kenny Pickett to stay in Pittsburgh and then maybe they would give a Casario a pick to move down. But when you have as many needs as the Texans do uh, you can't go wrong, but he's not going to draft a quarterback. He may not draft a quarterback at all. I think he'll sign one who's undrafted and bring him in as the fourth quarterback to compete in the offseason program. And I don't think he's going to draft a tight end in the first round because there's no tight end worthy of a first-round pick. And the best ones are H-backs anyway. And he's got Brevin Jordan as the, that role of an H-back slice, slash tight end but when you have Farrell Brown and Anthony Alclair as your backups you need another tight end he's going to draft one it wouldn't surprise me if it was one of those fourth round picks went for a tight end who also who could block a physical guy and I don't think they're going to draft a receiver in the first round unless say Jamison Williams who would be a top five prospect if he was not rehabbing from an ACL surgery. And I still think he's going to be the first receiver taken over Garrett Wilson and Drake London. But uh, say he fell to 13, it wouldn't bother me at all if Casario took him to play him with Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins and you give him however much time he needs. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think if he goes pass rusher with the first pick, say Trayvon Walker, or or Thibodeau, Kalon Thibodeau, uh, 
Kayvon Thibodeau, one of those guys there. But I, as someone who's been preaching about improving the running game and it starts up front, uh, I wouldn't bo- it wouldn't bother me one bit if he didn't take Ike Kwanu or Evan Neal. You could play Kwanu at guard for a year like Laramie Tunsil did mm-hmm. at Miami. You could move Titus back to guard and put Evan Neal or Ike Kwanu at right tackle. You got options. You get more physical. Those guys should be there for 10 years. And um, and then at the next one, you look for an edge rusher. But if there's a cornerback he likes, if the Kyle – say you wanted to trade up to get Kyle Hamilton or the third corner. Or say Derek Stingley. He has the ammunition to do that and get two impact players with those picks. And that's why it's so interesting. It's not like Casario is a general manager – who's going to come in there and put his feet up on the desk and watch ESPN and the network and all the picks fly by. You know, he and his people there, James Lefford and Matt Bazigan, those guys are going to be working the phones, seeing what's out there. And I I look for him to not have 11 picks this year, but to have get a couple extra picks the next two years and uh, come away with some players he has traded up to get like he did with Nico Collins last year. John, Governor Abbott has instituted an emergency law decreeing that every Texas sports talk show weigh in on the Debo Samuel story. So (laughs) can you please weigh in on the Debo Samuel story for us? You can whine and cry and wail all you want or be silent at a time like this. It doesn't cost you any money. It gives talk shows, social media, ammunition, and it creates a stir, a buzz. And people say, well, would Casario trade the 13th pick for Debo Samuel and give him the biggest contract for a non-quarterback in history? Well, first of all, you ain't getting Debo Samuel for one first-round pick. Look at what Tyreek Hill got more than Devontae Adams. So the 49ers to trade him would have to have picks where fans could go, okay, I'm angry at you, but I can understand it, especially with his draft haul. I think that's the kind of move Casario would make next year when they're closer to being uh, a playoff contender because nine wins will make you a playoff contender. I wouldn't see him doing that now. Uh, next year, I could. He'll have more money. But, you know, if you take a guy and he gets all used up this year to win six or seven games, that's not really going to help. John, Debo Samuel has requested a trade. DK Metcalf's name has been out there. I don't think he's requested a trade, but it's it's been out there. A.J. Brown, not happy. Terry McLaurin uh, was thrown into a tweet. I don't know if he – I think he has actually reported – and then, of course, you got Kyler Murray. Let's stick with the receivers, though. Of those players, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, how many, if any, are playing for a different team in 2022? In your opinion? Well, I never, I never would have thought Adams would have left the Packers for the Raiders. I wouldn't have thought Tyreek Hill would have gone from the Chiefs to the Dolphins. And the one that Texans fans should hope is playing for another team, especially one in the NFC, would be A.J. Brown because he's just torched the Texans, as you guys know. And it's funny, isn't it? These receivers are unhappy. They want more money. They're not reporting. And that's great. I'm for them getting every penny they can get. When teams can cut you with years left on your contract, you should be able to do what it takes to help get you the deal you want. And of those guys, I think, and maybe this is far-fetched, 
but the one that's most likely to get a big deal first is McLaurin because the com- the commanders, Seth Payne called them commandos the other day, and I keep calling <laughs> yeah. them commandos. The commanders need some good news. They've had nothing but bad news. And if you sign the best offensive player to an extension, that would create a lot of goodwill among the fan base on the team uh, for a little bit at least. And uh, I don't think for a minute the Titans are trading A.J. Brown. They don't have big-time contract problems. The Seahawks generally don't have big-time contract problems, and neither do the 49ers. But, and this, you know, this is not a great draft for receivers. There's a bunch going in the first round. But how many of those guys you know instantaneously are going to be great? We don't. And there's guys like Metcalf and McLaurin and Brown. Those guys weren't even first-round picks. So you can get great receivers beyond the first round. John McClain joining us on Texans All Access. Great to have everybody listening tonight. General, with all these players this offseason and last season, last offseason, demanding trades, requesting trades, I find it difficult to pull back from this as a league right now. This seems to be where we're headed, that the players really want to dictate more than ever where they play. What is your thought on that subject? The owners and general managers have been worried since Jalen Ramsey uh, talked his way out of Jacksonville, got to the Rams, got a big contract, won a Super Bowl. David Mulligetta, his agent, Sean Watson, same thing, hadn't won a Super Bowl, but he talked his way out. And so now uh, agents, and I don't blame them, they want to be like the NBA. The players run the NBA. They dictate so much in the NBA. They don't want that to happen in the NFL, the owners run the NFL, the players run the NBA and Major League Baseball, the unions. They just do. And so I think that's if players want to get out and they can get traded without holding out and missing games and causing a ruckus like Deshaun Watson did and the team feels good about it, like I don't think Kansas City is going to miss a beat without Tyreek Hill. I think as long as you got Andy Reid calling the plays and Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball – They'll find another receiver, and there might be more balance. Remember when everybody, oh, my God, Deshaun Watson, he's not going to be good without DeAndre Hopkins, and he had an even better season without Hop than he did with him because he spread the ball around more. Receivers got hurt. Didn't matter who they put in, and I think that's what's going to happen with Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and any other receiver who's unhappy with a great quarterback. They don't have a great quarterback in Washington, don't have one in Tennessee, certainly don't have one in Seattle, and they we don't know about Trey Lance. Of course, Kyle Shanahan thinks he's going to be a great quarterback or he wouldn't have traded as much as he did. But in this day and age, players want to get paid. I don't blame them. But why is it it's just the receivers? Where are the offensive linemen and pass rushers and safeties and corners trying to pull the same thing? Wide receivers are a bunch of divas, and we all know that. General Jacksonville sitting at the top of this draft is interesting. Last year at this time, we knew Trevor Lawrence was headed to Jacksonville. This year, we have no idea who is going to Jacksonville. I've seen as many as four different players mocked at number one to Jacksonville. What does your gut tell you that Jacksonville does at number one, which then sets the course for the rest of the draft? 
Aiden Hutchinson. I've never, never doubted that he's the best prospect and he's going there because he solves a big need. When they signed Cam Robinson to a new deal to play tackle, they got two former second-round picks at tackle. And so I don't see them taking Evan, Evan Neal or Ike Kwano. And Trayvon Walker is so interesting. You know, he didn't – there was no buzz about him coming out of the season. Of all those great Georgia players, people weren't talking about him. You know, he had – his, his tackles for loss, not impressive at all. Sacks, nine and a half in his career. And then they're like, well, you know, they dropped him into coverage. They moved him inside to tackle. It was the scheme. But he and Malik Willis, their stock has risen so much since the season ended in shorts and T-shirts because they look great in workouts. And so uh, maybe – if uh, Detroit takes Walker's second, then Nick Casario has his choice of every other prospect, including the top three in the offensive line, Aquanu Neal, and offensive tackle Charles Cross, who does not solve the need that the Texans need of being a physical run blocker because he played for Mike Leach, and they think he might be the best pure pass protector. But as you guys know, they need to get physical up front. They need – to start running the ball better. But let me ask y'all, if the Lions took another player and Trayvon Walker and Inky Kwanu and Evan Neal are there, what do you think Casario does? Oh, I think Inky Kwanu, I think that's the guy at three. If that, if Hutchinson is gone, that's the guy, Johnny. Yeah, I would think Kwanu. I mean, I like Kwanu and Neal. I think Kwanu would be, a, a really good fit. I I would go with Aquano at that point. Now, what what Nick does? Uh, it's interesting. I, I think Aquano ticks all the boxes for an offensive lineman. And to John's point earlier about look, that's what Laramie Tunsil did his first year in Miami. He played left guard. Then when Brandon Albert took the money and ran like the, the Dolphins expected, they moved Laramie out to left tackle, and away you go. The same thing could happen to Aquano, whether it's right or left tackle in the future. That's exactly what they could do. And I think Aquanu, even though I have Neil slightly ahead, I think Aquanu might be a better fit uh, for the Texans, considering what John talked about, being more physical. I think Aquanu is a different kind of physicality. Uh, so I would go to Aquanu. Okay, I, I agree. And so then Casario's sitting at 13, and he's watching the picks fall. And at 10, okay, he might have, say 10, he might have a ch- chance at Derek Stingley. He might have a chance at Kyle Hamilton. He might have a chance at defensive end Jermaine Johnson the second. That's why I could see him using a little of that draft capital, maybe not this year, but next year, to move up to get another one of those players, impact players, that would fill a big need. And for anybody out there listening, you're like, oh, my God, why would you use the third pick on a guard? I remember fans and media bemoaning that with the Oilers in 1982 and 1983 when they took two guards who were in the Hall of Fame. Yep, it worked out well for them, and they could play multiple positions, right, especially Matthews. But, General, answer this for me. Let's go back around the league here for a moment. Kyler Murray, another hot topic today, resurfaced because Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell both saying he's not going anywhere what is happening there? Why does he want to leave? And 
people who say, and a couple of former players, including Patrick Peterson, weighed in saying they really haven't given him enough to win. And I'm thinking, what? They've given him a lot to win. What is happening there? They, they, I'm guessing he's forgotten about a wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, <laughs> and then they drafted Christian Kirk in the second round. And, yeah, they lost him, but I think that's just, just, just stupid. And uh, Peterson obviously is better about what happened with him there. But Kyler Murray wants the big contract. He wants to get paid, and they're not going to do it. Okay, when the time comes and he's starting to get fined, he got to show up. He's not going to get fined and lose millions. I think he's got a bonus of three or four million, and then his base salary is one point something, and he doesn't want it wiped out because of fines. So he will show up. Now, you know, the Texans, I believe, could have suspended Watson for conduct detrimental to the team if they wanted to, or they could have said, you play, you're playing. And they didn't do it because they didn't want to get hurt because they thought they were going to trade it by the trading deadline. But if the Cardinals want to play hardball and he shows up and claims he's hurt or he's not going to play, you know, it could get ugly. John, the quarterbacks in this draft, you we talked about – and a lot of people talk about Carolina at six, Atlanta at eight, potentially the Saints. They have 16 and 19, I believe. The Steelers are sitting at 20. That was one of the, the big things at the Senior Bowl about how much Mike Tomlin and this Pittsburgh Steelers staff and, and Kevin Colbert like Malik Willis as opposed to Kenny Pickett or like Willis more than Pickett. I said earlier that, the, that I didn't think quarterbacks after I kind of thought this all the way through. I don't have a quarterback going until number 19. And ironically, I have Desmond Ritter going first, which I don't know if I feel good about that. But either way, what do you think about the quarterbacks in this draft and how early do you think we could see one realistically? It's a mediocre class with the worst depth I've ever seen. The quarterback chart I did, it's on uh, TexasSportsNation.com. To find a best of the rest after I put the top five or six in, I couldn't find any. I'm going in for guys that'd be lucky to be undrafted free agents and putting them on best of the rest because I can't not have a best of the rest. And I only found like four or five, and and none of them are going to make it. But it's a it's a it's a very mediocre class. Malik Willis has the most upside. Everybody says Kenny Pickett, 49 starts. Desmond Ritter, 48. They are more ready to play as rookies for a bad team than the others. Matt Crowell, we don't know because of the high ankle sprain he suffered against Baylor in the Sugar Bowl, limited him so much in the offseason. So while Malik Willis is making all the throws in practice at the Senior Bowl and looking great at the Combine, his shorts and T-shirts, and that is pro day, Matt Corral, you know, he was limited. And, you know, Ritter, it's amazing how what good runners these guys are. Corral's a terrific runner. Ritter is a great runner. And uh, uh, Sam Al, he rushed for over 800 yards last year. So, And he was the hot topic of quarterbacks going into last season, along with the immortal uh, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, who was supposed to win the uh, Heisman Trophy. So, I, you know, a couple of them will work out. Some of them won't. But I think the mystery just adds to the intrigue. But I'm going to say Willis goes first. All right, General. So you have your stuff coming in the Chronicle here as a correspondent. Now, a couple of tips here. As a freelancer, don't sell yourself short, okay? You have a lot of experience. You have a lot to offer here. So I hope uh, you're, you know, holding their feet to the fire here as far as charging them. 
My price is right, guys. Thank you very much, as always. And uh, I look forward to the draft and weighing in with you guys next Thursday. And uh, it is a fun time in Houston uh, at this time of the year. It was all for the longest time covering the Oilers when they lost six years in a row. It was the highlight. And they started their run with Matthews, with Mike Munchak, Bruce Matthews, Dean Steinkuhler, Ray Childress, Haywood Jeffries, Sign Warren Moon, and they went to the playoffs seven years in a row. Yes, awesome run. And a lot of talk last night at the Houston Sports Awards about all these picks the Texans have. That's what everyone wants to talk about. That's what we've been talking about, and we will continue to do so. General, thanks so much for being with us tonight. And, Johnny, we've got who's better coming up. We have the Texans pitted against another team, but in a certain way. We have a wide receiver who's in the news who we might have mentioned, but more on him and more on the Houston Sports Awards last night. Things I've learned. It's Texans Radio. Texans All Access continues in a moment. With available premium features like wireless Apple CarPlay, plus America's best warranty and complimentary maintenance, the Hyundai Sonata and Elantra put you on the road to victory. Now get 2.25% APR for 60 months on our most popular models. Visit your local Hyundai dealer, the official car of the Houston Texans. For well-qualified buyers only, offer ends 5222. Call 469-613-0227 for more details. For more details. For more details. For more details. Back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the Houston Texans. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. Great to have you listening tonight. John, are you ready for who's better? I am. Let's go. All right. The first one is who feels better? This is about feelings. Nothing more. I'll stop singing. All right. Who feels better? The Jets about Zach Wilson or the Texans about Davis Mills. All things considered. And you know what I mean by that. First round pick versus third round pick versus state of the franchise versus state of the franchise. Who feels better, Johnny? I think Texans do. There's a lot of of stress and pressure on Zach Wilson this season. Now, I, I do think Zach's going gonna to pan out. For the Jets. Now, will he be, uh, you know, Ken O'Brien reincarnate? No, I don't think he's going to get to maybe that level. But it's a big year for Zach Wilson. And in the mock draft I have coming, they're they're adding Jamison Williams alongside Braxton Berrios, Elijah Moore, and Corey Davis. That's going to help him. I mean, they're putting assets around. They drafted Elijah Vera Tucker last year. They already have Mekhi Becton. They signed Lake and Tomlinson at the other guard spot. I mean, that's three bona fides right there in the offensive line. You add in a Jamison Williams, you give him another weapon. Now there are no excuses. There's a lot of pressure on Zach Wilson. It's not as much pressure pressure on Davis Mills. Well, he's third rounder. You know, let's see what he does. But I think the Texans feel good about what they saw down the stretch. I don't know if the Jets felt that good or felt that great. I feel like you look around, and, and we've said this a million times, don't think Davis over the last four or five games stamped himself as the face of the franchise for the next decade, but he certainly played well down the stretch. The game seemed to slow down. He's talked about that. He talked about that with us. The game slowed down, and hopefully that continues to because you got a third-round pick and it pans out. I, 
he's not playing with house money and the Texans aren't playing with house money, but it sure feels a whole lot closer to that than what the, the Jets are. That was a number two overall pick. That's got to work out in New York. It's got to work out That's in New the York. Thing. There's a lot of stress and pressure there. So I think the Jets like Zach Wilson, appreciate it, but it, there's a lot of pressure on him, man. I mean, if Mills doesn't have a good year and looks like he's not the guy, all right, you draft one next year. Right. If Wilson doesn't have a good year and looks like he's not the guy, rut row, that's Heads big roll. trouble in the Big Apple. So yeah. I think in that way, maybe you do feel better. If the Jets go after Samuel, I don't know what that says. Does that say, oh, my gosh, we're desperate to put talent around him? Or we feel really comfortable with him. Either way, they need to put talent around him. I get it. He's the number two overall pick from a year ago. Johnny, who's better, Debo Samuel or any receiver you could get in the top ten? So go ahead. Pick a guy. Pick what, Pick your top receiving oh. prospect in this draft or Debo. And keep in mind, to get Debo, whoever you are, the Jets, whoever, you've got to pick or you have to give up multiple picks to get him. you got to give up a lot to get Debo. It's not like one pick gets it done, as the general is pointing out in segment number one tonight. Well, that's a that's a that's the part. You know, it's it funny. I, I think back to the uh, when all the trade talk was going on with Deshaun, and there were a lot of Miami fans saying, "Well, we don't we don't want Deshaun. We should just roll with two. We should just roll with two. And that was the the. I heard somebody say they think Deshaun's better than Tua. It's like, no, Tua and the four or five picks you're going to have to give up, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty harsh price to pay uh, for, for Deshaun Watson. So it's like you have to compare the right things here. Jameson Williams and Chris Olave are, I think they're two of my top four. Olave is number one to me. I, I love Olave. I've been a big fan of his for the last, I mean, his entire career. I just, I just love his. I love his game. I love his unselfishness. The guy blocked a punt at Indiana and a drive later. Uh, he was, he was uh, catching a bomb for a touchdown uh, in the same game. So he's, he's amazing. But like you said, to give up additional draft capital and Chris Olave or and Jamison Williams to get Debo Samuel, that's where it's, yay, man, that's, oh, boy. Now, straight up, player on player, I don't think there's any question Debo's that guy. I love Debo coming out, of, coming out of South Carolina, watching the Senior Bowl, and he was about the only guy that I remember not, not jammable. Senior Bowl, mm. guys are just press man, and they're just, I mean, they're, they're locking up guys. Debo Samuel is the one guy that never got locked up. He just, and then buy him. So, I think Debo against Jamison Williams plus some draft capital. Well, that's a, that's a really tough call because I think both Olave and Williams add an element of explosiveness down the field that's going to be tough. And the other pieces that you would have to give up as well, I don't know if I'm, I'm willing to do that, mm. but I do love Debo Samuel. So I'm going to say Debo is sure. better than any one of those other options. I'll By take way, Debo it's... over Olave and the unknown. By the way, people are acting like he gets 15 carries a game or something. No. I mean, he averages less than four carries a game, all right, mm-hmm. including playoffs. This right. is not like he's used as this workhorse running back, but he does get some carries, and we all get that. All yeah, right. but I think the first half of the season, Mark, he was almost, I think it was like 900 yards or so in the first half of the season as a receiver. As so, a receiver. 
yes. it's a receiver. So that was the first half of the season. So I think people lose that sight. Like, he's such a good ball carrier. I right. think they lose sight of the fact that he's still a pretty darn good receiver. He can do what you want him to do in a lot of oh, different yeah. spots as a pure receiver and right. be that productive. I mean, I'm wondering, if you gave Andre Johnson the ball as a running back back in oh, the day, gosh. like every once in a while gave him a carry. I know they put him in the backfield every once in a while, which was kind of weird on occasion. But <laughs> yeah. they didn't really use him for that, obviously. But I remember talking to one of the coaches who said, you know what, he'd be a hell of a kickoff returner, but we just can't yeah. do that, obviously. Yeah. Uh, he'd be good at everything. You can play him at strong safety. He'd be great. Anyway. Who's better? That's what we're doing here. And Chris Sims floated this out there as a possibility possibility that maybe it's as simple as Samuel not wanting to live in San Francisco, in the greater San Francisco area. Well, if the trade went down with New York, what's better, Johnny? Better place to live. The greater San Francisco area, and there's a lot to this because San Francisco plays in Santa Clara. The 49ers do. Right. Or the greater New York area. We know the Jets have their headquarters now in New Jersey. But you could live in Manhattan and maybe make the commute. Whatever the case may be. Better place to live. Pick it. I've got to say San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I have. When we go out there to San Francisco, I just. My, my heart is a flutter. It's just, it's pretty, <laughs> I, I, I just, the temperatures are great. Yeah. I, the real estate is so incredibly high. So I, I had this conversation uh, with a friend of mine the other night, and he said that his buddy moved out there, moved to Davis, I guess, which is a kind of suburb of San Francisco, and they got a decent price on a house, had space. But then that guy's wife wanted to actually move back in the San Francisco, like in San Francisco proper, and said for about a and 900 square feet, he's paying a mil two. Now, oh, yeah. Debo, oh, yeah. Debo with that contract, he'll get eventually. He'll be mm-hmm. able to afford that. I mean, the common man, yeah. uh, not really going to happen. But if I got to choose, I'm probably saying San Francisco. I'll go with the weather. New York is fantastic. It's fun and all that. But, man, I just love San Francisco that much more. I love going out there. I don't even have to look at the data, okay? Wherever you're listening right now, friends, and wherever you live, multiply that, whether it's rent or mortgage, price of your home, whatever, multiply it by four, and then you're in the greater San Francisco area. Yes. That's just it. I mean, it's got to be at least that and maybe more in many cases. Okay, let's go old school quarterback and current quarterback here. Better quarterback. Who's better for the Buffalo Bills? This is for the Bills. And you have to sort of go in the time machine. You have to look at history and its projection with the current guy, Josh Allen, Jim Kelly. Who's better, Johnny? Oh, you mean Houston Gambler, Jim Kelly. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> no, Kagan, Jim well, Kelly. I mean, they're kind of similar in this regard. They're both tough as nails. They are incredibly physically and mentally yep. tough. And I give both of them that. Kelly was going to get in that K-Gon, and they were going to go up-tempo, and he called the game. He was incredibly bright, tough. His skills started to erode a little bit, but he can make every throw in that offense, and it was so good. This guy's on a different planet now. Josh is on a different planet. I mean, we saw in the playoff game, that first half, the three of us are talking during the break, like, how do we stop this guy? This guy's a, he's in his second year. And he's doing yeah. this to us. And, of course, 
He melted down in the second half. But, man, that game against Kansas City, I mean, just the 2021 season, you saw such growth. He didn't have to run the ball, but when they needed him to run the ball, he turned into Debo Samuel. When he had to throw the ball, he turned into Patrick Mahomes. I mean, imagine if you could put Debo Samuel and Patrick Mahomes in the same body. Voila! That's what you have in Buffalo with Josh Allen. I am not quite ready to say he's above Jim Kelly, but if he stays on this he stays on this path, stays healthy. I think Josh Allen surpasses uh, Jim Kelly, and I think he gets that Super Bowl sometime soon. Well, you know, you brought up Kenny O'Brien earlier. You went old yeah. school talking about I Zach did. Wilson for the Jets. And O'Brien was drafted 24th in that 1983 first round. Of course, they passed up Dan Marino, but everybody yes. did. Uh, yeah. Dan Marino drafted 27th to the Dolphins. But this is interesting to me because O'Brien wasn't exactly you know, Hall of Fame material, but he was no. very solid for the New York Jets, multiple playoff appearances and all that. Kelly was 14th to the Bills, but he played for the LA, I mean for the Houston Gamblers first. Who played for the LA Express? It was uh, Steve Young. Steve Young. Steve playing Young. for the LA Express in the USFL. And, uh, of course, Elway was first. We don't have to go over the rest of it. Oh, Tony Eason to the Patriots at 15th. It was better than people remember. I'm sorry. Do you know he the last better one? better than you You've think. You named, named almost Todd all Todd Blackledge. TV oh, announcer. yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, Very Blackledge good. went to the Kansas City Chiefs and really didn't do much there, right? I mean. Yes, correct. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned uh, Steve Young went to the L.A. Express. Who originally – who originally did the L.A. Express draft with their first USFL draft pick? He was one of those six quarterbacks. Wait, who did? Wait, I, you dropped out for a second, or maybe the I did. L.A. Express drafted first in 1983 in the USFL. Which was a quarterback? quarterback did they take? Yes. Oh, jeez, I don't they know. They took this. him number one. Elway? Marino? Marino. One of those two. They took Marino. Okay. They didn't take a chance with Elway. They just went straight to Marino. And oh, he was drafted Marie- by the L.A. Express, and he decided, obviously, he's going to play in the NFL. Could have been a Pittsburgh mauler. You know, <laughs> that could have happened. You never know. All yes. right. Anyway, yes. next up, what we learned for the Houston Sports Awards. Also, are we really going to go on the record with our prediction with the number three pick next? You'll have to wait and find out. It's Texans Radio. More Texans Radio is on the way. Texas to be the best in Texas. We put quality, technology, and capability in the hands of every Texan who drives one. Visit your Texas Ford dealer today and you'll see why. Ford is the best in Texas. Texans Radio, the drive continues. All right, so I know the Astros are off to a tough start relatively, but they were, what, three games below 500, 17 games in last year, and yeah. you saw what happened. They could have, would have, should have. Well, I don't know how to say should have, but possibly could have won the World Series. They were right in there. Johnny, it's like they played a game. It's the football equivalent of what, like a game and a quarter, and they're, you know, 500. So yeah, I mean, relax, everybody. I know there's some concerns, yeah. and uh, I hear it, but it's really early, folks. It's really early. I mean, especially Let with the Astros. I mean, what was it, 2005? 
where they started off so badly, and there was a Ooh. there was a Chronicle article in which they had the Astro season with uh, with a um, uh, mm-hmm. with a headstone tombstone yeah. saying mm-hmm. it was over, and then they yep. went on a run, and it was magical. So yeah, it's you know there are things, well, the year- some things to there are some things to fix, but you don't panic not now. No, no panic. Enjoy yourself, and it's a long season. And I haven't been out to a AAA game yet. I mean, I've been to the Skeeters many times, but not the uh, Space Cowboys, so looking forward to going out there. Also looking forward to the draft, which is one week from tonight. Miller Outdoor Theater, and go to HoustonTexans.com for all sorts of information on that. It is going to be awesome to be out there doing our radio show from night number one, first-round activity. The other nights, we will still be on the air. Johnny's on the air the entire time. I'm on the air all but four hours of it uh, with Sean Pendergast helping out on Saturday, Seth Payne on Friday night, and of course, Andre Ware on Thursday, Robert Hensley helping us out a couple of nights, Tyler Milner helping us out, a lot of guys helping us out, Clint Sterner. It's going to be great. We'll have Nick Casario on after the draft. We'll have the press conference every night. Johnny, everyone asks you, Everyone asks you, who are they taking? Who are they taking? Last night, Houston Sports Awards. Great event down at the Wortham Theater. Congratulations, Patty Smith and the Harris County Houston Sports Authority on a terrific event, as always. Everyone asking you, who are they taking? Who are they taking? What do you tell people when they ask you? Depends on what happens at one and two. <laughs> I, the one thing, it's funny because Nick Serio <laughs> said it today. Not fair. No, I know. Nick Serio said today, more than likely we're making a pick at three. And that's kind of what I've been thinking because – I just the more I've thought about this quarterback class, the more I'm just not enamored with it. And I can imagine if I'm feeling that way, there are a lot of GMs that feel that way. And there might be a GM or two that talk themselves into this quarterback being great, that quarterback being great. And you see some seedlings, but you just don't see it overall. And then I would be curious to know how many uh, personnel staffs look forward and how much they look forward. And, there are certain positions they probably don't know, but a quarterback, they probably have a pretty good eye on what's coming next year, being such an important position. And it's loaded. It's absolutely loaded. Mm. If you don't absolutely need it, your job is not on the line sort of thing, wait a year because these guys that are coming after that are going to be unbelievable. It's going to be, at I think, five or six will go in the first round next year. Uh, just looking at if all things work out the way that I would think uh, with Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis from Kentucky. There's a lot of them. Uh, I could go on. Um, but that's what I would wait for. And because of all that, I don't think there's a move to three. I do think Nick will consider 13, and it'll be interesting what, what a team will do to get up to 13. And you would think a trade-up would be a quarterback, and trading up to 13 makes more sense than trading up to three to take said quarterback. That said, if they're at three – in my mock, I've got Walker going to Jacksonville. Trent Balky just falls in love with the traits. Aiden Hutchinson goes to Detroit. And number three, I have trenches off its line. I have Icky Aquanu. And I thought about a number of different spots. I thought about Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley, one of those two, a corner. I don't have a problem taking a corner because of those two guys. I think their, their play quality is just off the charts good. Evan Neal considered as well. Uh, but with Walker and Hutchinson off the board, I just felt like I'm going to take the player that makes the biggest impact in the trenches, down and down where it has to happen. And that, to me, is Iquanu with Evan Neal uh, not too far behind. So that's where I ended up going with, uh, with Iki Iquanu right there at number three. What say you, Voice of the Texans? 
It feels like a safe bet to say Neil or Aquanu, considering they'll probably be available right there. And, yes, it does strengthen your team. It's a position of need. So I understand all that. I think what they'll take into consideration is, yeah, these are great prospects, no doubt. But are the corners as safe sauce, just for example, is he more valuable to take right there because the drop-off on the O-line might not be as much going into round two and three and beyond as, say, cornerback where they really do need some help. So these are things that they have to figure out, and they have a lot of time to do it. So we'll hear more from Nick Casario tomorrow because he's going to be on our show. Yeah. So 6 o'clock, Nick Casario, stay tuned for that. Stay tuned. Like, don't turn off the radio all yeah. night long just to be hours, ready. Just leave Listen right to Captain here. Mickey. You know, Captain <laughs> Mickey is, is really – he's a really good broadcaster. He is. So Very you want good. to keep it locked in for 24 hours until Nick comes up. Oh, by the way, Johnny, the Dean Martin impersonator from yeah. last night's Houston Sports yeah, yeah, Awards. Yeah. Uh, I ran into him in the players' lounge, and he was asking me if he could like grab something because all the players had left. They had, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. gone to sit down. I said, "Yeah, yeah, it's fine with me, Dean. It's fine." <laughs> Dean. And <laughs> he said he's been playing Vegas for twenty years. It's been a great life for him. Oh my god, impersonating Dean Martin. So I guess they flew him in or whatever. But that's pretty cool. Those three were fantastic. I the so Frank funny. Sinatra, the the Frank Sinatra, the Frank Sinatra impersonator was outstanding as soon as i heard him open his mouth i'm like that's frank holy smokes he said i listened to enough frank sinatra to know and so does our buddy frank ross i wish frank would have been there he would have uh, maybe cut some hair have you done the documentary yet the frank sinatra documentary no no i haven't Johnny, you have to watch this. Oh. And I, I asked Dean Martin last night, <laughs> the ghost of Dean Martin, if uh, if he'd watched it. He said, absolutely. I said, is there one on Dean? He said, yes, there is. So oh, I wow. love those things. And I'm okay, well, you got to find out. that for me. And by the way, yeah. have mm-hmm. you seen the shark documentary? No, I need to see it. I saw clips from it on social media. I the clips see it. look the clips. Where look is it? Amazing. Where is it? Where it's on thirty for thirty, so it's ESPN. Ah, very good. Okay, Johnny, thank you, thank Got you, it. General John McClain, now a Houston Chronicle correspondent. That is <laughs> the best. And thank you very much, Chris, for producing Nick Casario on tomorrow night at six. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio six ten. How do we outsmart cancer? At Houston Methodist, we're creating nano devices to directly treat tumors, minimizing side effects. We're researching how repurposing existing treatments can stop the deadliest form of breast cancer from spreading. And removing cervical cancer without affecting the uterus so you can still give birth. That's the difference between practicing medicine and leading it. Houston Methodist, leading medicine. To learn more, visit HoustonMethodist.org.